I knew that the only way I would be able to get and stay sober is to put in the hard work. And it really made me reflect on, you know, a lot of uh, different relationships that were in my life that were happening at that time. Um, and, you know, most specifically the, the um, relationship that I had with my mother, it was not very um, um, functional. And once I got sober, you know, the glasses came off, the rose, what do they say? The rose, uh, rose colored glasses came off and, and I could see everything more for what it really was. Welcome to Kelly Brittingham. And Kelly is a friend of mine. She is a wife, a mama, a coach, a fitness fanatic, and which is one of the ways we met, mm-hmm. and just a good friend. And I love, Kelly, I love that you actually said that about yourself. I love that you described yourself as a good friend. So welcome to The Sunny Side Up. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and just be part of all the positive things that you're doing, Alicia, because we are all blessed to be part of your circle. So I thank you. Well, thank you. Right back at you. And <laughs> briefly, before I hit record, um, you and I were talking about, you're a fellow podcast lover, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So today, something kind of um, quirky happened. Actually, I posted on social media and I said, hey, what podcasts do you all listen to? What are some of your favorite podcasts? I, I find myself driving a lot and you know, just kind of threw it out there to the social media world. And of mine responded back and said she listens to a podcast called The Place We Find Ourselves. And it's by Adam Young. And ironically, before the call today, Kelly and I both listened to it. We listened to the first couple episodes and were inspired for this conversation. One of the things he said, and I wanted to mention this in our chat today, and I thought this would be a really cool place to jump off. Um, He said, if you want to love others well, it's important to reflect on your own story first. Engaging your story is in no way, shape, or form a selfish endeavor. In fact, Neuroscience has shown that you cannot love or empathize well until you address the wounded parts of your heart. So I had to write that down because I thought that was so. It's so good. It's it's so so, like I get goosebumps when I think about that because it's so true. Most of the time we're reacting to things, you know, we're, we're responding to someone and, and people think that it's not from a genuine place when like people like us that are empaths, I mean, we can just feel it so strongly. And I just thought that that was so powerful because we can help each other by sharing what we've been through. And it's not in a way to get pity. And it's, it's in a way to help heal others and help heal ourselves in that way. Right. Well, and there's, there's kind of a little, I don't know the right word. I don't want to say there's guilt or pride in sharing your story, but you kind of mm-hmm. go, well, why would anybody want to hear my story? Right, and, right. And that's what you and I were talking about before we even hit record today was there is so much importance in when you share your story, what others will get from it and how they will find themselves within yes. your story yes. and how that healing can begin. Yes. And that's what he was talking about. And it was just so ironic because listening to that, I thought of you, Kelly. I mm-hmm. thought of our past conversations. Yeah. And so I wanted that to be a jumping off point. Um, you wrote in your notes to me, 
when we were prepping for this chat, I realized the only way out was through. What does that mean to you? Well, that means when I decided to, when I woke up one morning on March 13th of 2013, and I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, I was so tired of the drinking. And I knew that if I didn't stop drinking, um, I was going to die. And it sounds so cheesy, but it was literally like that was the path that I was going down because it was just getting so bad. But I knew that the only way that I could get through it is to work through it and to put in the work and not just say, hey, I'm going to do this, but actually digging deep and and putting in the work. And, you know, what helped me get sober um, was educating myself to what was going to happen when I stopped drinking. What, you know, what kind of withdrawal symptoms was I going to have? What kind of emotional symptoms was I going to have? Um, How was I going to feel physically? And so by preparing myself for all of that, um, I felt that I was able to work through those first stages of, you know, the, the, it's called pause, the post-acute withdrawal symptoms. I was able to know what was coming. So I wasn't caught off guard and what didn't feel like I was failing myself. I just knew that it was a side effect of what was happening. Um, and I knew that I could say that I wanted to get sober, um, all I wanted, but if I didn't put in the actual work and I didn't, um, dig deep, it wasn't going to happen, you know, cause I had said it before I had said, and I quit drinking and smoking at the same time. And because for me, they went hand in hand and I knew that I couldn't do one and not do the other. Um, and I had tried to do that. I had tried to just quit smoking. I had tried to just quit drinking and it didn't work. Um, but I knew that the only way I would be able to get and stay sober is to put in the hard work. And it really made me reflect on, you know, a lot of uh, different relationships that were in my life that were happening at that time. Um, and, you know, most specifically the the um, relationship that I had with my mother, it was not very um, um, functional. And once I got sober, you know, the glasses came off the rose, what do they say? The rose, uh, rose colored glasses came off and and I could see everything more for what it really was. Um, and that was that was difficult in the sense that, you know, that's your mother. And, and, and but there are just some people that aren't compatible. Um, and I don't think that her and I are compatible. And so that was one of the relationships that I had to kind of cut ties with when I got sober, because I knew it would just keep sabotaging me trying to stay sober. Um, so that that was a. Um, it was a difficult decision, but I, I, I know in my heart that it was the right choice for me and for my family. Um, and I pray for her every day. I don't blame her. Um, she had a very difficult life as well. And we just aren't two people that can be together. And that doesn't make either one of us bad people. It just is what it is because sometimes in life, those relationships are that way. Um, well, and if we have to, you know, how we kind of started this out by saying we have to address the wounded parts of our heart. Mm -hmm. So backing up a little bit, Mm -hmm. 2013 was seven years ago. Yes. So that your soberversity, what do you Mm -hmm. say? Sober anniversary, my sober birthday. We call it sober birthday. birthday. (laughs) Congratulations, first of all. Seven years is amazing, outstanding. And I commend you so much for that. Thank you. So the mother you're talking about is your biological mother. No, this was my adoptive mother. So Got I have, it. I have. Okay. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. 
I, I can tell you about both. Okay. Uh, and, and, and honestly, after listening to that podcast, I know that a lot of my issues with drinking and, and um, um, coping mechanisms, I believe that they stem from that very early childhood um, abandonment issues with being adopted and then being adopted by a narcissist. Um, it, it, there's just many, there's many, I, I, I've said yeah. to people before that I've had two mothers and I can't speak to either one of them because they're both just toxic for me. Um, my birth mother um, gave birth to me, um, but had my brother and my sister already. Um, and they had the same father. And I was um, a result of a relationship with someone else. And as I was being born was when her husband and my brother and sister's father was coming out of jail and he didn't want me. So he put me up for adoption. They put me up for adoption, but she told my brother and sister that I died. And so, um, they didn't even know about me. They didn't, they didn't remember about me until I found them in 2004. Um, and when I found, you know, her and them, it, it was all rainbows and sunshine in the beginning. And it, it's still like, it's cool that I have a brother and a sister that I, I, you know, didn't know that I had. Right. Um, however, the relationship with, with Gloria, um, was not something that can, she, there was just so many, um, lies and, um, things that just weren't healthy. Um, you know, she, um, wouldn't tell me who my birth father was and then did after he died. So I never got a chance to meet him and she never told him about me. Um, so he never even knew that I existed and he never married and had children. And so it was a very sad situation. And he, and part of why I got sober was because when I learned that he died, he was 60 years old and he died of lung cancer and he was a drinker. I, I don't believe, I don't think that that was a huge factor and it was more the lung cancer but that was when the light bulb went off for me that like, oh my gosh, like if I don't stop doing what I'm doing, I only have till 60 with my kids and that's not fair to them. And so that was literally like the light bulb went off and I said, I've got to do my very best to give my children the very best. And so it was after that was when I really decided like, it's time to get sober and it's time to do this the right way. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, my birth mom, we don't really speak anymore. It's just the same thing. It's, it's just one of those relationships that it isn't healthy. Um, it isn't it, it. And that it just is what it is. I, I, she also had a very rough life. And um, I don't, I don't blame either of them. Because it's, it's not their fault. You know, they were just hurting and hurt people hurt people. And I've always said that I don't want to live that way. Um, and while it may hurt them that I had to, um, remove myself and my children from their lives, I don't look at it in the sense of, um, I look at it in the sense of saving my children and doing what's best for my family. And as a mother, that's my job. And mm -hmm. I don't know that they could do that because they didn't really know how to, um, if that makes sense. No, very much so. It makes sense. So I think, as somebody that's just learning about your story and your journey and your struggles with two moms. So are you in contact with your adoptive mom? Not no, anymore. not in no. contact with either of your moms. No, my adoptive mom is the one that I stopped talking to at right after I got sober. Um, and I'll tell you why the day that I decided to quit drinking and smoking, she came over to my house and I was like, 
I was so excited. I was like, all right, this is what, you know, I'm going to quit drinking and I quit smoking. And she looked at me and she was like, why would you ever want to do that? You can't do it. And that's, that, that explains how my life was growing up. I was always put down. I could never do anything right. No matter how well I did something, there was, I was still going to screw it up. I was still going to mess it up. I was still going to do a Kelly. And that was just how my life was growing up. I was mm-hmm. always put down and nothing was ever good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, <laughs> and it was funny because my husband always said to me, like, why do you let her talk to you that way? And I was like, what are you talking about? That's just how it is. That's how it, it had always been. And the, the day that I decided I, I was, I was not going to um, engage with that relationship anymore. My daughter, who was seven at the time, um, we were over at her house. We were sitting outside, outside Joni's house, getting ready to go in the pool. And um, she, Olivia did something great. And I was telling her about that. I was like, I'm so proud of Olivia. She did this. And she looked at me and she was like, well, you would have never done that. And just kept going on and on. And she went inside and my daughter turned and looked at me and she said, why does she talk to you that way? Mm-hmm. And that light bulb once again went off and I was like, I'm done. I have to show her that it's not okay for someone to treat you that way. Mm-hmm. And that if you sometimes have to walk away from those people and set boundaries because it's not healthy. Right. And I, I walked away that day and I haven't spoke to her since. Um, well, it's incredibly hard. Like the situation that you're describing is incredibly hard to begin with, but to have the strength and the courage to break that pattern, that is pretty incredible. And when we talk about the sunny side or the bright mm-hmm. side or finding our way through the shit storm for a lack mm-hmm. of a better way to put it, which is yeah. you know, the question that I ask everybody what you said a light bulb went off, but how did you know that becoming sober was a part of that? How did you know? I mean, a lot of people would say, I can't just walk away from my mom. I can't just walk away from this family member. I didn't know that that was going to be the way through it. I was so scared to get sober because I didn't know how to live my life without drinking. So honestly, I didn't know that this, that the sunny side was going to come through sobriety. Because when you're first getting sober, it is so damn scary. It is so scary because you're like, how do I function? How do I talk to people? How do I do life without having some kind of influence to make me the happy-go-lucky person that I am when I'm drinking, right? So honestly, I was so scared. And I didn't realize until, you know, a couple years into sobriety, um, I was invited to a Bible study. And it's a um, multi-denomination. You don't speak about what church you come from, anything like that. And it's all women. And, you know, through our conversation, you can see that I've obviously had wounded um, relationships with the mother. um, What's that word that I'm looking for? (laughs) Mothers. (laughs) So with women, honestly, I've had a hard time having um, women in my life that inspire me that care about me that have stayed there for me through things. But through this Bible study, I've met and been inspired by so many faithful, um, strong, amazing women that have helped me see all of the sunny side that came through all of that shitstorm. Um, it's made me who that who I am. It's made me the mother that I always wanted to be. 
that I always wanted that I am now being to my children. And I'm not perfect. I screw up. I, I make so many mistakes, just like we all do. But owning up and, and, and um, you know, working through those, those um, mistakes that we make parenting, um, that's the most powerful part because there was no way in my life growing up that either of my parents would have ever said, wow, I'm sorry that I did that to you, Kelly, right? But we do that. We're making that difference and we're changing the generation and making it so that it doesn't always have to be so painful all the time. And we're going to keep making mistakes. We all do. But Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like, you know, those, those battles and, and those pains and those wounds that we had can be healed and, and not fully, not all, you know, not all the way, but enough that we can make a difference in our kids' lives. You know? Well, and it's an ongoing journey, which is why right. we're both fitness fanatics. So right. running is right. an outlet. Yoga yes. is an outlet. Girlfriends yes. is an outlet. Community is an outlet. Yeah. All of the traumas that we've faced in life, you and I have both figured out that movement yeah. is is healing. And of course, you're not perfect. Of course, I'm not perfect. We are going to make a million mistakes with our kids because our parents made mistakes. We'll make mistakes. And and that is what the podcast was saying. Um, It's just so funny that we keep going back to this podcast. I think it was God's perfect message for us for discussion today. Um, I wrote down and I want to hear your thoughts on this. Mm -hmm. I wrote down Psychology explains the brain like this. We experience reality through the lens of what we've already experienced. Meaning, can we ever really leave the past in the past? Can we ever really live in the present? Old habits die hard. Mm-hmm. How can we hand, how we handle one thing? Is that how we handle everything? Right, right. Isn't that, it's, it's just fascinating. It's just so like, insightful that yes, we do hold on to some, a lot of the things that have happened, but we can hold on to it in the sense that we can change how it, how it affects the future, right? Right, right. It doesn't have to be those same patterns repeated. We can, we can fix, we can't fix what happened, but we can fix moving forward, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, and so if our neurons are wired in our brain, and they're all connected and our past experiences, you know, you, you said something about women and in the past you had abandonment issues and you associated women with how you were treated. So the neurons in your brain were firing off. No, this is going to be a negative experience. I can't mm-hmm. trust women. I can't be around right. women. And in a way, you've kind of rewired the neurons. You've rewired those experiences and you've done it with clarity because you're not drunk, you're not mm-hmm. drinking, you know, you're sober right. Right. and you found your way through God and which is amazing. And he's so good like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that we can take those experiences and, and try to better ourselves from some of the pain and help to teach others to not make those same mistakes. You know, people have to learn um, things their own way. You know, you can tell, and I grew up that way. I grew up in the sense that I had to learn everything the hard way. Um, and I, I don't want my kids to be that way, but I can't help if they are. And if they are, I'm not going to condemn them for it. I'm not going to say, I told you so, you shouldn't do that. I'm going to say, 
okay, this is what happened. I'm going to be here for you and we're going to pick up the pieces and you're going to learn. You know, I don't think that it always has to be how our parents parented us or, you know, we can make those changes with our children. Um, I, and I think that's why I've always tried to be such a good friend to people and tried to be that person that can be there for others. I think probably because I didn't have that. Right. And so sometimes I think we overcompensate in that sense, you know, and, and I have found that I do end up getting hurt a lot because I, and you can probably attest to this as an empath, we take on so much and we love so much and we care about people so much and we know what we would do for others. And they don't always do that in return. And we don't always do it looking for something in return, but at the same time, you hope that someone would. And, and we get hurt by that disappointment, right? By that disappointment when they don't, um, when they aren't there for you, right? I mean, I've had that happen in many different relationships. And, and I, I try not to be bitter about it anymore, because I realize that, you know, every relationship and every friendship and, and they're not always meant for a full season. We're all meant to come into each other's lives for different amounts of time. And that's okay. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt any less, but mm -hmm. that's just part of life, you know? And I think the more that we can realize it, that the only thing in life that stays the same is that everything changes and you kind of go with that, um, the, the, the easier you're going to kind of go through it, right? You're not going to take as much personal and, and it's not always easy to do, you know, it's hard because our hearts are just so, we're just such caring people. Mm -hmm. um, I, my word for 2020 was boundaries. Did you mm -hmm. have a word for 2020? I didn't really, but that is a great one. That is such a good word. Mm. And it's, it stayed with me all of 2020. Yes. So my word for 2020 was boundaries. And it's really interesting when you set a word or you set an intention, yes. how the universe starts to show up and show you why you need that word. Yes, And it's shown up in a million ways. Um, but one recent conversation I had, it must've been something I said, whether it was in a previous podcast episode or just through social media, a girl reached out to me and she said, I have a friend in my life that's been in my life a long time. And I just really feel like I've outgrown her. Mm -hmm. She's not, um, pos she's not a positive force in my life, but how do I walk away from that? How do I say, uh, I've, I've outgrown a relationship, right? And I feel like I don't know the right answer to that, but I feel like it's everything we're talking about. How do you set that boundary to Well, and it's funny that you would say that because I I I I know it sounds really cheesy, but I love Facebook memes and I love those inspirational quotes that you see that are floating around and I'll share them all the time, but just before this podcast, before we had this discussion, there was one that I read that said, "Sometimes you have to make a decision that will hurt your heart but heal your soul." Right? And that's that that sounds exactly what that is for that person. Um, we had to make I had to make that decision with my mother. Right. It wasn't easy to to stop speaking to her. But I knew that in order to be successful and to make it through sobriety, that that was a step that I had to take. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, she's not the only person I've had to set boundaries with. There's been other friendships. And, you know, when you stop drinking your your social circle and, and things change, right? So I had to do it in a lot of different senses and and setting those boundaries is it's not it's not a way of 
keeping others out, it's a way of protecting yourself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's, that's mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes that's the best thing that you can do because you're not doing it to hurt them. But if you think of it in the sense that you're protecting yourself or protecting your circle, and that's the way I think of it is I'm protecting my children, right? My children are the reason that I had to um, remove Joni because it just, I, I didn't want them seeing such an unhealthy relationship. And I'd also realized that the pattern from my great grandma to my grandma to her, it was just going to keep repeating. And I wasn't going to let that happen. And it was I like the same broke the cycle. You broke the yes. cycle, girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it was yeah. the same thing with, with my birth mother because she was also an alcoholic and alcoholism ran in that side of the family. And that was part of the other reason that I had to cut ties over there because I knew it was the same thing. And I needed to, to just stop that if I wanted to stay sober in that sense. So in a way I look at it as I kind of broke the cycle on both sides of those um, mother, mother wounds. Um, And I'm very proud of it. um, But it also hurts in that sense sometimes, you know, but I know that it's I know in my heart, and I know God understands and knows that I'm doing what is best for my family. And I've noticed a huge change in my children since, you know, those changes that happened. My daughter used to suffer from really really bad stomach aches. And we couldn't figure out why she, you know, we went to a pediatric gastro doctor and all different kinds of stuff. And um, once those relationships were severed, um, she's never had another stomach issue. And I honestly believe that because we're so close, her and I are so, so close that she was just intuitive to that stress that I was. And, and, and we still are super close and she's never had those issues ever since. And so for me, that solidifies like that was the right decision. I will never question, you know, the fact that I did that to protect them. Um, so. Yeah. Well, that that's incredible. And I, I very much believe that um, I feel like our anxieties and stresses do start to show up in physical ways. Yes. And if we let them manifest and go on too long, which is, you know, another reason I had to, why the word boundaries for me, I had to set some boundaries in my life that what's best for, for my family, what's best for my home team, right? some call it. And then yeah. ultimately, how can I find the best version of me? Yeah. And, you know, my path, I feel like I could definitely add sobriety to that path because Mm -hmm. I do feel healthier and Mm -hmm. more clarity. And, you know, my family has a a history of mental illness and addiction as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like it's just an, an added tool that that could really help anybody. Yeah. Um, But not easy. Like you said, it's not easy. And I think of when you say that, so setting examples for our children but then also your social circles. Yeah. You know, if you live on a lake and you have boat life or right. if, you're, if you show up, like, how do you show up? What does that look like for you? Is it, it's probably obviously not awkward anymore, but you show up with the sparkling water, like the silly little things that hold people back. Like what is oh, social for sure. like? For sure. So, for, so, and it's funny that you say that because I don't know if you watch The Real Housewives of Orange County or any of those. So that's a guilty pleasure of mine. But one of them right now is getting sober, like literally a couple weeks into. And so watching these episodes and she's showing up at these parties and it's that same thing. She's like, well, I can't drink. And everybody's questioning, like, well, why are you not drinking? And 
when I first started, when I first got sober, um, mine was, my trigger was more being home and not drinking because that's where I did. I mean, my kids were young. Granted, I mean, I wasn't drinking when I was pregnant. I wasn't drinking when I was nursing. It was after the kids were, you know, in bed and they were a little bit older. Um, so for me, that um, changing that at home was was more important in changing those habits. And so what I started to do is I started walking because I physically needed to do something to get keep my body from, you know, doing those. And so the walking just progressed into, you know, one mile to two mile to three mile. And then it was like, well, I'll run. I never ran. I was a smoker. Mm-hmm. I couldn't run. Right. I mean, I, I was an athlete in high school and in college, I played softball. Um, and so I would, you know, run if I had to, but not by choice. Um, and so walking and then running became my outlet and became my way of um, filling that void. So, you know, because I wasn't out at the bars like I used to be, right? I mean, my kids were really young. Um, so that was the way of, of kind of filling that. And, you know, the next thing I knew I was doing, you know, 15 miles a week. And then and I then finally, because my sobriety birthday was 3, 13, 13, I was like, well, it's only fitting if I ran a half marathon because that's 13, right? And 13 is my lucky number. (laughs) So that's, you know, that's how it all kind of progressed into, you know, my fitness has, has become so important to me because it's not just the physical part. I mean, and, and, you know, when I was younger, working out was all about being skinny. You know, it was, that was what it was for. It's not about being skinny at all anymore. It's about being strong and it's about staying sane. And that is why I go and work out every day. Um, and that's how it's all just kind of progressed into that. And, you know, people have said, well, maybe you just replaced, you know, your alcoholism and, you know, that habit with exercise. Yeah, maybe I did. But you know what? It's a lot healthier and I feel a lot stronger and I'm a lot happier. And I think that when you are predisposed to those kind of addictive, you know, personality, whether it's, you know, drinking or drugs or food or, or sex or any of that kind of stuff. there's always going to kind of have to be some kind of replacement and you need to find what works for you and what works in a healthy and, um, you know, um, spiritual way. And that's, that's why this Bible study has helped me so much. And my faith um, has helped me so much and going back to church and, um, you know, just raising my kids and, you know, I was raised Catholic and it was of the, you know, this is what you do. But it was never, you know, we didn't study the Bible. We didn't, you know, speak of, you know, what Father talked about in Mass. And and I've tried to make it the opposite of that with my children. We make sure that we discuss everything that was talked, you know, talked about and why. And and just, you know, plant those seeds in those little minds instead of just forcing them and saying, this is what we do because this is what we've always done, making it more meaningful. Mm-hmm. So. so I don't know the reason, Kelly that God called you to break the cycle or why he had you go through what you went through in order to get here. But your kids are so damn lucky Thanks. to have you as their mama. And I'm so Thanks. proud of you because, you. yeah, and I mean that from a woman to a woman, that's hard shit, girl. Mm-hmm. Everything you're saying, even though it sounds beautiful and poetic, it's hard. What you did is hard. And I was questioning as you were saying that your support system, like you have to have a pretty fierce support system. Yeah. You know, my husband, this, 
this is where I'll get emotional. Um, you know, growing up, I, I didn't, love wasn't unconditional in my house growing up. It was conditional. Everything always was conditional and score was always kept. And, um, when I met my husband, I, um, you know, I always pushed people away because I always knew I was going to somehow screw it up as I was always told. Right. But my husband was the one that has always stayed by my side through everything, through the drinking, through the pain with my mother's. And he's always like, he's always seen something inside of me that I didn't even know was there. And so my support system with him and with my little family is it's so special. It's so safe. And it's so, um, it's just, I thank God every day for that because I hadn't experienced that. I mean, I have a good relationship with my dad. Um, but there just was such, um, just dysfunction in our family growing up that, that unconditional love that he, my husband has always shown me through the drinking. I mean, and he saw some ugly drinking days, and he knew that the cool part about when I decided to quit drinking is he never pushed me. He knew I needed to quit. He knew it and he wanted me to. But he also knows how stubborn I am. And he knew that I had to come to it on my own. So he never pushed me and he never said it to me. But I knew he wanted me to. And and he's never he's still never, ever um he quit drinking when I quit drinking and he has been the blessing in my life. Cause I've said that, you know, even if I, I didn't have two good moms, God blessed me with the most amazing husband and the most beautiful family. And I would go through everything that I've went through again, if I could just keep my family the way that they are and have my children the way that they are, you know, because everybody has their struggles, right. And it ends up being, a blessing. You don't see it when you're going through it. Um, and you don't know how it's going to end up working out. But I look back on all of that. And I'm just like, wow, he has blessed me so much 10 times over that, you know, and it's just, it's just awesome. I love that. And thank you for sharing that because yeah. I know that's emotional and hard. And think of that example that you're setting for your kids too, to show them what unconditional love yes. looks like. And yes. I've never met your husband. I can't wait to meet him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's awesome. He's all you'd love him. <laughs> and I know he feels the same way about you. Yeah. 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 We've been very blessed. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the name of this podcast is Sunny Side Up. And the question that I will ask every single guest mm-hmm. is um, what obvious or obscure ways has sunshine made its way to your life? And I know we've talked a little bit about that, but what just comes to mind real quick when I ask that question, what obvious or obscure ways has sunshine made its way to your life? Well, I think that um, in just the sense that I just wake up every day so thankful and I look for positive things and, and, and the little things in life. And it may sound so silly, but I take my dog for a walk every morning and I'm always finding hearts. I love finding hearts in everything for, because to me that represents that there is love everywhere. There's a lot of pain everywhere, but if we can find 
the positive in, in the little day-to-day moments, mm-hmm. that's what that's what life is all about. It's not always going to be rainbow and sunshine. And, you know, I, I just feel that finding those little, those little smiles from God is one of the best ways to find sunshine in your life. Like it just, those little things make me smile so much because I feel like it's just God winking down at you saying, see, I'm right here. You know, I was just going to say God winks. Yes, exactly. Exactly. God winks. What's that? Isn't there a book, God Winks? I don't know. We should look that up. I I really think there is. Um, Well, speaking of that, too, books, who are some of your, um, to share with everybody listening, because you, what you're saying is so inspiring and Mm. just so grateful that I know you. Um, What are some other books or podcasts or mentors in your life? Um, You know, I would, gosh, I, I, one of my first books, you know, it's funny because I'm not a big reader, but what I like to do is I like to listen to books when I'm running. Mm -hmm. And there is a book that I have listened to. um, And honestly, I could say probably more than 20 times. And, and the reason is because it's a book about um, coaching. It's a book about faith. It's a book about raising our children. Um, And so this book might not be for everybody because it's a, written by a uh, professional baseball player, but it's called the Matheny Manifesto. Um, And like I said, I've probably listened to that book probably about 20 times running because he speaks about so many different important things that when it comes to raising our children, um, how we're coaching and mentoring our kids, um, our faith in our relationships with our um, spouses. Um, So that is definitely one of my favorites and been a huge influence on, on my life. Um, I listen to a lot of Brene Brown. I like her podcasts. Um, And every morning um, when I go on my run, I listen to, it's called Our Daily Bread. It's an app. Um, And every day they have a different reading and a different, um, you know, they they speak through the scripture. And so I listen to that every morning. And and as I'm on my walk or on my run, I pray. Um, That's what I do a lot of. Um, I just speak to God. I don't always feel like you have to be at church on your knees. Um, I feel like he listens to you anytime that, you know, you want to talk to him. And so praying and, and the scriptures have really helped me, really helped me a lot in the past couple of years. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest love stories is, is scriptures for sure. Gosh. And it's just so beautiful. It's, you know, what's amazing to me is, is, is doing this Bible study that I've, I've spoke of. So it's once a week and we do it like during the school year, it goes from May to September. Um, and we study a different, you know, chapter every year and every week, every week that we do our study, we have all these questions and then we have a group discussion and it's like, he always knows how to apply it to your life even though it was written how long ago, Mm -hmm. it's still so applicable every time that you read it. And you're like, you just, of course he knows it all. He planned it. He's planned everything for us. Right. So I don't know why we're so surprised, but it just, it's so comforting to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it is once again, another show of that unconditional love that yeah. We all have and and don't even realize sometimes. right? Right. I just think it's awesome. Have you been doing that virtually? Yes. Yes. Um, Typically we've done it in person, um, but with, you know, COVID and everything uh, we do a zoom once a week. Um, Mm -hmm. All of us women, there's about 
I think there's 12 people in our group this year. Um, and we just discuss the questions. And, and it's it's so nice because, it, like I said, it's all different denominations. So mm-hmm. you have so many different um, angles and, and ages. And, you know, it's just, it's been such a blessing in my life. Wonderful thing. I might ask you about that offline. I'm absolutely. Really <laughs> it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Yes. Okay. Sure. Okay. Awesome. Do you want to talk about softball at all? Because I remember you wrote something about how softball and watching your kids play was almost therapeutic. Didn't you write something like that? Probably. Probably. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so so growing up softball, um, I started playing when I was about six years old. Um, And my dad and I, my dad coached me. Um, and I grew up playing in this league out in commerce. Um, and I ended up being good and I ended up, you know, playing in high school and I had a college softball scholarship and softball was the one thing that Joni couldn't take from me. Um, and that she couldn't take credit for, right. Because it was me doing it. And so it's always been a really special place for me. Um, I can step out onto that field and everything just kind of disappears in the world. Um, but now that I'm able to um, come back as a coach um, and help inspire other girls that might have similar home situations and or not have support, um, in, a, in a sense, it, it's been so therapeutic. It's been so um, life changing to, to become a coach, you know, you think that you have to know everything about the sport, right? Like, which I do, I had no idea how much coaching would give back to me in the sense of filling my heart so full. I thought it was about what I had to teach these girls. And honestly, coaching has become more of what they have taught me. Because so many of them are so um, are going through so many different things, right? They're so young and they're, 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 it's about teaching them to, to look within and build this confidence. Right. And I just think that it is such a gift from God to be able to be out there with these kids and help and, and spend that time with them while they're young, you know, while they're still um, little, like, I just, I think it's such a gift. And I'm so thankful that God allowed me to coach all these years that I've been able to. Well, you're being a positive influence in their life, just as much as you and I needed those positive influences growing up. You bring up such a good point. And I became fascinated with this study. uh, Mm -hmm. I've actually mentioned it before, but there's a study that says for every negative thing that happens to you when you're younger, if you have two positive things that happen, it, it can negate that negative. Mm. So if all these kids that you're coaching have things happening at home and you are this positive force in their life, right. I feel like that's another purpose of yours. Right. I right. Mean, yeah. we're talking about today, I feel like you have this, this divine purpose. We all have a purpose and purpose doesn't have to be this grandiose thing. A, pur- a purpose can be showing up as a coach. A purpose right. can be um, breaking a pattern of addiction and mental illness in your family and showing up for your own kids so your kids can go be the best versions of them themselves. Right, right. Well, it's funny because I was talking to my daughter about that. Um, you know, I, I, I haven't worked. I 
worked in advertising before um, I had my kids and stuff. And, you know, once I had my children, that industry was just not, it wasn't conducive to having a family. And so I've been kind of home with my kids um, since, you know, Jackson's nine years old. I went back to work last year at my church, actually. Um, but other than that, I've really been volunteering a lot. And I've been volunteering, you know, I take the Eucharist to um, the Independence Village, the retirement home. Um, I do meals on wheels and I do all of these different things. And I was explaining to my daughter, like, that life isn't necessarily about what your title is, you know, making money and things like that. Like, for me, what is most fulfilling is going to Independence Village for that half hour and taking the communion to these people that don't have a lot of visitors and, and, and I, I take my kids with me as well. We obviously can't right now because of COVID. But to me, that's been one of the most fulfilling things that I've ever done, you know, because I, they're not asking for and, and I've always had a special place in my heart for elderly people. Like I waited tables at Bob Evans just because I love old people. Like I do. Like that's just it's been a special. It's just been part of my life. And so, you know, it's not always about what your title is and, and how much money you're making and things like that. And, and I've always just tried to stress that to my kids. Like you just have to, it's the little things that you do, you know, it's the little things and the little differences that you make to people. I don't know if that answered the question at all. Oh my God. No, 100%. 100%. And I feel like we could have gone 17 different directions mm -hmm. with that question. So I love that. Uh, shout out to Bob Evans. Oh, I love Bob <laughs> Evans. I loved work. I will tell you, Alicia, if I could go back there and I could still work and wait and take people coffee every morning, I would go do it in a heartbeat because it was so much fun. It was yeah. so much fun. Well, you loved that job. You're a people person yeah. and you wear your heart on your sleeve. So I bet yes. they loved you to do yes. It was a I lot of fun. Too, so, and I loved it. Um, my first, one of my first jobs was at Tasty Twist in uh -huh. Atlantic. Nice. Where, where'd you go to college? Uh, just here at OCC. So. Okay. OCC. Yep. So if my boss is listening, I'm friends with him on Facebook from way back in the day when I was at Tasty Twist and uh -huh. literally simply serving an ice cream cone through a window mm -hmm. brought me so much joy. I'm telling you, <laughs> pouring somebody coffee. It's I funny know. because Chrissy, you know, Chrissy. She works uh, for Parks and Rec, and I would volunteer at the veterans um, luncheon that they did every year. And I would jokingly tell her, like, if I could come here and just pour coffee all day long, I would be in my happy place because there is just something that makes me so happy pouring old people coffee. I don't know why. <laughs> it's the simple, simple things in life. Yep, yep. I was actually going to ask you to tell us some of your favorite nonprofits, but I think you mentioned a couple with Meals on Wheels. Do you have any other favorite nonprofits that you want to mention? Uh, open Door. Open Door. Um, mm -hmm. When I was working at the church, we did a lot with them, and they do so much in the community. Um, definitely them. Um, I don't I don't really know. That's a good one. I, I yeah. do a lot of donations. They're in yeah. Waterford. Yes. Yes. Just off Cooley Lake Road there. Yep. I'll be running their race, actually. Uh, the 14th of November, there's a few of us that are going to be running their outrun hunger race. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, maybe yeah. I'll, I'll link that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, perfect. That's going to be cold though. It is going to be cold, but there's a few of us that are doing it, It, but you warm up. It's a 5k. So okay. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So to wrap things up today, close your eyes and take a deep breath before you answer this question, before you answer this question, is there anything else? on your heart or just 
within you, burning within to share with everybody out there that's listening today. So don't answer right away. Breathe, close your eyes, and let us know. I just want everybody to know that, you know, no matter what happened to you when you were a child, no matter what you went through, what kind of pain you've been through, that there's always light on the other side and God will help you through it. If you open your heart to him and you tell him that you want the help and just let him guide you, your life will change dramatically because that's what happened to mine. I I fell to my knees and I said, God, I can't do this alone. And he said, all right, Cal, I got you. And ever since then, life has just been so much better. So much better. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I know for a fact that your message is going to help so many other people out there that whether they're struggling with sobriety, adoption, families, trauma, just being isolated the last several months that there's tools now that we have yeah. talked about to help. And, and I, you know, I'm happy to help with anybody. If anyone ever needs to talk through anything, sobriety, any of this kind of stuff, I'm an open book and I am always willing to help and listen and, you know, talk if anyone ever needs it. So where's the best place people can reach out? How can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Okay. Um, yep. That would probably be the best way or Instagram. Okay. Uh, Instagram. Yeah. Email, phone. Yeah. Okay. I'm always accessible. Kelly Brittingham. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Alicia. Wow. What an incredibly beautiful and important conversation on sobriety, motherhood, life, healing, Thank you. Thank you again, Kelly, for sharing your heart with us. I know we will all benefit in our own individual ways. Thank you guys for being here, for continuing to listen. Please reach out by emailing me at bornsunnysideup at gmail.com. Subscribe, like, share, review. I appreciate it so much and can continue to bring these sunny side up conversations with your support. One love.
Still you 